This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red at Backheel.com. Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson tonight. It's been a very, very busy week. We had hoped to take the week off. We hoped we would just kind of ease in to the preseason kind of get our bearing, get our wits about us, but that wasn't to be because the last 48 hours have been one of trades, popular players going, impressive national team players coming to the Red Bulls, some depth in the back line. We're going to break it all down tonight. We're going to talk to Matt Doyle, who you might know as MLS analyst, formerly of March to the Match podcast, which I think is on hiatus at MLSsoccer.com. And then we've got some amazing emails from you. Dan Dickinson, how are you? I'm doing all right, sir. How are you tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm excited. That, that's a strange feeling for January for the Red Bulls. <laughs> it's it's a strange, um, I think, any sort of hopefulness, given the shell shock of what happened to this team, is starting to slowly fade. Maybe not for all of you listeners. Understand that. But there is a team that is being assembled and is being put together in Orlando, which sounds like a wonderful place to be, especially when it's snowing here. I, I don't know what you're talking about. The weather here has been delightful, Mark. Mm-hmm. Let's just uh, let's break it down chronologically, like, in terms of this crazy week for the Red Bulls. Sure. On Tuesday, the first big move was the notion that Felipe Martins, Brazilian 24-year-old, would be coming to the Red Bulls from Montreal one of Jesse's guys mm. in exchange for oh, as, as well as the number one allocation spot in exchange for a bunch of cash which the Red Bulls had allocation money to spare Eric Alexander 81 appearances in two seasons played every league match for this team in 2013 and 2014 and that is hard to do to be a a back-to-back ironman and uh, midfielder, wing, defender, young Ambrose Iongo, 23 years old, 22 appearances in 2014, including 16 starts and four assists. And a lot of Red Bull fandom was really upset, primarily about losing Iongo. Well, I mean, at the time that 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 trade got announced, you couldn't blame them because... If you just looked at what it was at Tuesday at the announcement, it seemed lopsided. Yes, you had the top allocation spot, but there seemed to be no guarantee in terms of what the team was planning on or or even could turn it into. So to lose a relatively dependable midfielder in Alexander, who I think had certainly taken a beating from the fan base off and on, but had eventually you know settled into that role next to Dax at the end of the year... And Ayango, who a lot of people, you know, thought was exciting and young and a lot of great talent and an international player spot and allocation money, it 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 seemed a bit much at the time. It did seem a bit much, and we would l- learn the next day exactly who was coming. I think a lot of fans were upset about the potential and speed of Ayango, who still is learning the game. He did have a goal for Cameroon in the African Cup of Nations. There was some definite static, though, coming from Oyongo's agent, especially uh, after it was kind of figured out that, that Marsh and Curtis and Oyongo hadn't, hadn't actually spoken before this trade. I think if, we, if everything that we read is to be believed, 
the Red Bulls management were concerned that Ayongo was looking for offers from Europe and was looking to depart sooner rather than later. So why not extract some value from him when you when when the iron was still hot? Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit of the uh, Dan Richards trade because you know the team knew that Dan was going to be heading towards Burnley eventually and figured they might as well flip him to somebody else rather than uh, get nothing out of it. Um, one interesting thing that I, I think Matt Doyle brought up in his article when the trade happened, um, you know, everybody makes a big deal about Iyango because of his potential, which he certainly has a lot of, but also his age. You know, he's young, he's 23, he's exciting. But Felipe Martins is nine months older than he is. He's not an old league veteran. It's that he's been around for three years and everybody's sort of familiar with the name, so you don't think that he's as young. So, I, you know, it's not like the team's really lost any youth in this. No, and, and Martins, I mean, a guy who was in the league's 24 under 24 uh, a number of years, he had 12 goals and 93 appearances from, from Montreal. I mean, here is a guy who doesn't really play the role of central attacking mid. He kind of is a floater. He can drift out a little bit. Um, but nevertheless, it, it certainly solidifies, well, begins to solidify New York's midfield depth. And when you think about Leo Stoltz as well, you think about Lloyd Sam, you think about Dak still being in there, and then uh, what's to come, it he he certainly is an exciting player. He's Brazilian, so certainly 20 more folks in the Ironbound <laughs> will, will turn out, perhaps, if they're even made aware um, they'll turn out and come see Felipe. So uh, fiery temper has been known to uh, feign injury in a, a most ridiculous way. If you can go and look about look up his uh, experience at Toronto at the end of the season last season, I suggest you do that. But he he is a quality and a proven player in the league. So that wasn't the only move on Tuesday though, because at the same time or later that day, the Red Bulls announced that they had signed not one, not two, but three defenders to the lineup, including Andrew Jean-Baptiste, 22-year-old, Brentwood, Long Island High School, and Yukon Huskies. Actually played on the Red Bulls under-23 team in 2010, was a first-round draft pick in 2012 from Portland, uh, made 31 appearances over two seasons there with two goals. Then he was, um, I think jettisoned is the most polite word. I believe word. the word is chivost. He was he was sent to the Outer Rim Territories to uh, suffer Chivas USA, got hurt, played all of 10 uh, times for the Goats in their final season as a club. And here's a guy who really is a project. He is only 22, and he gives New York certainly uh, a bit of depth on the back line. I think that New York sees him as a starter. He's certainly been a starter in this league. He's 6'2", so he's certainly not a small guy. But um, it'll be interesting to see how Jean-Paptiste fits. It definitely will, and I know that a lot of people in Portland were uh, sad to see him go. So he he could be a good quantity to add. But but Mark, you're leaving out the Zubar, and and I don't know why you're really counting the three when the third is Damien Perinel. Yes, well Perinel was signed right, appeared six times, four t- he appeared in every CCL match for New York. I don't know if that uh, gives reason to be excited, but yes, the bigger news is the Zubar is here, Ronald Zubar. 29-year-old defender, Guadeloupe native, uh, over 260 appearances for KN Marseille, a number of years at Wolverhampton, and Ajaccio, again, my apologies, uh, French second division. 
there some folks were very excited to see who know and have seen Zubar play. Some folks were very excited. Other folks maybe not terribly excited. But nevertheless, nevertheless, excuse me, um, more defenders at a time when New York needs defenders. The question is, is is Zubar going to be quality enough? To, and physical enough to be able to uh, put fear in the likes of MLS attackers. I'm not so sure. No, I'm not either, And but that's a that's an issue across the league. There's not a glut of center backs that uh, really terrify anybody. But I, I think that stocking up and having options will do the team well because hopefully you'll get you know a pair that can form a good duo. I know you were talking about uh, the, the A to Z connection if Armando uh, yeah. manages to come back, but... Um, you know, have, having options in the middle can't hurt. Well, we can say AJB and Zubar. So, you know, from Andrew to Zubar, I think that, you know, we that, can still kind of have our A to Z backline. Yes. Paranel, and then, of course, yesterday, and it's hard to believe that it was only yesterday, Red Bulls traded for the top allocation spot in the league, and then they went out and signed midfielder Sasha Kleschen, Seton Hall grad, over uh, 114 caps for Chivas. From 20, 2006 to 2010, uh, 46 caps for the U.S. men's national team, including a hat-trick against Sweden. Four goals all-time, although he certainly was not on Jurgen Klinsmann's list. He was part of the 2009 Confederations Cup squad that went to the final before losing to Brazil. He he's probably has more... Champions League experience than almost any other American, certainly any American playing in MLS now. 130 caps for Anderlecht in Belgium uh, between 2010 and 2014. Like I said, he does have Champions League experience. And, you know, Question as well isn't exactly the pure central attacking mid, but when you start thinking about when you start thinking about Question and Martins and Dax and Sam, and Leo Stoltz, by the way, there's a lot of depth and quality in that midfield now. Yeah, it, it's staggering almost after years and years of enduring the fan base shouting and demanding a creative attacking midfielder. Now it seems like <laughs> there's too many options. And, I, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how the lineup shakes out, what formation Marsh wants to take. You know, I, I, I'm personally a little concerned at this point, mostly because if you look at that forward line that's at, that's down in camp, you've got Mike Grella, you know, uh, <laughs> who I believe has been on trial with every New York City area team in the last yes. last year and a half, um, yes. and Juan Sebastian Sanchez, who is you know an academy player. And granted, they count Peggy as a midfielder, but you know, there's going to be too much. I almost feel that there's going to be too much service and not enough Bradley Red Phillips. Um, which is weird after everybody was swearing up and down that he would be starved for uh, this year. But we will. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, sh- sh- perhaps Steve Sampson's three six one could make an appearance when you think about the amount of quality midfield talent that you see here. Oh boy. Oh boy. Then uh, news today, Thursday. First of all, Leo Stoltz is in camp. Uh, he has arrived. There's a nice video of him up on the, on the official site. We urge you to check it out. As well as news uh, from our, our friend and cohort, Dave Martinez, that Armando may not be in the team's plans. When you think about the fact that the team... Well, let's think about who's currently on the roster. Armando, although he's not in camp, so I, perhaps that, that means we won't be seeing him. Chris Duval, 
back for his, his sophomore uh, season. Uh, the aforementioned Baptiste. Connor Laid, who is listed as a defender uh, on the Red Bulls uh, lineup. Matt Miazga, of course, who went and played a, a training match with Leipzig and promptly um, got a red card, created a penalty kick for the other team, and then was injured. It, it really was, it's almost like a Roy Miller trifecta there uh, for Miazga in his lone appearance in Qatar. Uh, of course, Roy Miller, the Paranel who we mentioned, and now Zubar. So eight defenders, maybe seven without Armando. I, I just don't think we're done yet here. No, I, I'm, I'm sure the team isn't. And, you know, there, there is still plenty of time in the MLS window to uh, acquire more players, although most of the European uh, window, I guess they're snapping shut tomorrow, aren't they? Man, this has been a quick, quick January. But for sure. um, you know, the the other thing that I think will help Jesse figure out what he wants to do is the team does finally start playing other teams on Sunday. They have a scrimmage against University of Southern Florida. Uh, that's closed door, as is the one on Thursday the fifth against uh, Jacksonville. So he can finally start, you know, putting together lineups and seeing how this all shakes out and and maybe figure out where he needs a little bit more reinforcement, but. Um, there's certainly time, and this team has never stopped signing players in February. All that's true. Although, when you think about the notion of trading for talent, that 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 starts to get into some interesting territory because I don't believe that there's a ton of talent that New York is willing to give up at this point. I mean, when you think about, they definitely need more help uh, with forward line. Um, I don't believe that Bonomo's in camp. Uh, he's not listed on the training camp roster. No, he's not. I, I think I saw a story or two that he was trying his luck in Europe. Okay. Well, good luck to yeah. him. We hardly knew ye. Uh, and also, the other thing you have to consider is the Red Bulls don't just need one team. They need to stock two teams because the USL Pro schedule may come out Friday, if not Monday. Uh, my sources tell me that there are people the teams are arguing and complaining over the schedule, as teams are wont to do anytime they get a, a draft of the schedule. We still don't know what, what this USL team for the Red Bulls is going to be called. We don't know where they're going to play. We don't know who's going to coach them. And we don't know who's, who the players are. But you know, New York doesn't just have to... Obviously, their main concern is, is solving their MLS roster. But they also are going to have to pull another roster together as well. Uh, and nobody really is clear on how the USL Pro to MLS roster rules work and you know what the deal of sending up and down. We got to see a little bit of this last year um, with LA and LA Galaxy 2, Los Dos. Um, yep. But throughout the year, I think everybody was like, oh, so they're sending a player down. Oh, no, he's coming back. Okay, whatever. So hopefully we'll get some clarity, but um, you never know. It'll be interesting. It'll it'll be interesting to see if you know any of the other draft picks. Shane McLaws, uh, Sean McLaws, excuse me, uh, New York's late round draft pick is in camp and unsigned. You would think a player like that would go uh, to USL Pro for sure. You would think a guy like Mike Grella, should he be unable to make the squad, could find himself. It'll be really interesting to see what what kind of support the second team gets. I think a lot of it will do will be how it play, uh, where physically they play, um, their their connection, what it's named, and all that good stuff. But um, 
that, that's a part of this year that, that excites me a little bit more is, you know, you will have another professional team filled with young players that'll be playing, you know, perhaps uh, in Manhattan, perhaps in Queens, both uh, Belson Stadium at St. John's and Columbia University in the upper uh, you know, north at tip of Manhattan have been mentioned as possible venues for this team. But it'll have a schedule in a couple of days, even if we don't really know what the team's going to be called. Uh, I'm just going to shrug and we can move on. <laughs> all right. Fine, fine. I got fine. nothing to add so, to that. All right. All good. So the team is coming together. Jesse Marsh has uh, appeared in uh, different places talking about an up-tempo style, talking about the speed in which they want to play, talking uh, uh, about the quality of the acquisitions that have come in. You know, it would certainly seem that the team, the team definitely got younger uh, for sure. When you consider who's there, the one name that we haven't touched on so far tonight is Tim Cahill, and for the first time uh, this this week, I think there there's some real indication that that Cahill will not be returning to the Red Bulls at all. It's uh, you know they've been pushing that decision and and a lot of those conversations off until after uh, the Asian Cup finale uh, this weekend, I believe, or is it tomorrow yep. morning? Uh, don't even know anymore. Um, yes. But, you know, all signs, are, whether you want to read into Ali Curtis's comments or Jesse Marsh's comments, you know, Jesse said on the conference call on Tuesday that nothing had really changed and there hadn't been any movement. Ali on Wednesday said, you know, we've been talking to him and his agent, but, you know, we're when everybody's saying we're trying to figure out the right thing for everybody, um, that, that tends to not mean that the right thing is that he's <laughs> going to be back. Do you feel that New York is going to be able to extract a, a sizable transfer fee for for KO? You know, I, 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 part of me says that they should be able to because if, that clearly there, it looks like there are some teams, whether they're in you know the uh, Middle East or back in the A League in Australia, that that would like to have him, and so he is a commodity with some value. But by that same token, this is the same team that severed the contract with uh, Rafa Marquez because he was, you know, fed up or whatever, and he just walked on to a Liga MX team, and now he's playing in Italy, which is just bizarre. Um, yeah. So I, I, while they should be able to, I'm not sure they're going to be able to force that issue, um, but we'll see. All right. Well, nevertheless, it's uh, at this point, it's pretty unlikely that Cahill will return. And and it also speaks to the notion that I believe that Kleschen, I'm sorry we didn't touch on this earlier, is not a DP this season. Is that the case? That, that is what the uh, the team has confirmed. And I, I thought it was interesting that Jeff Crandall had a quote from Jesse Marsh right after the news broke that um, Sasha is not a DP this year. So yes. I don't know if that's that they're planning, no matter what happens with Cahill, they would have a DP spot open next year, and they structured the deal in a way that does that. I don't know whether that means that he's above the DP salary threshold and they're paying him, you know, paying it down with allocation money this year. Um, but certainly for this year, he's not, which gives the team, you know, a bit more flexibility if they want to stock up with a, a name or two later in the year. You know, I want to go back to the town hall for a minute. Because there was a great question asked by a longtime season ticket holder that asked about the notion of entertainers and how this team has constantly reached out and strived to have an entertainer on the team, whether it was someone that brought the crowds in, whether it was Donna Doney, or whether obviously it was Henri and Cahill, and to a much, much lesser extent, Rafa Marquez, um, whether it was Yuri Jorkaev or Lothar Mateus. 
although that was a total debacle. Obviously, New York Red Bulls have been known to have a big player, and the response that we got from Curtis at that time was, I believe that all of the players that we have are entertainers, which I think signaled to a lot of folks in the crowd that the team would not be spending big to bring in a big European name. Um, there was an article in, in the New York Times today, which anytime the New York Times mentions the Red Bulls at all, it's shocking. And, uh, you know, it was not shocking at all that rather than speak about on-field, um, Leander Sherlackens, uh, who's writing at, at Yahoo and he's writing at Soccer Gods these days, uh, really encapsulated everything that's happened with this team over the last couple of weeks and the protest and uh, the player acquisitions. It was a very, it was a well-written, uh, very fair article. Although I do take umbrage which, uh, with Leander saying that that I-280 is the main access road to Red Bull Arena. <laughs> I don't know too many too many interstate highways that are access roads. It, it's just a word choice for me. Anyway, it, it just it, it, I think it really just um, needs to be illustrated that I don't believe, at least for the first half of the season, that this team is going to be bringing in a large European name or a large name at all, and this is going to be the team that's going to get through at least the first half of the season. I think you're probably right. Um, you know. And and in fairness to Ali, which I can't believe I just said, um, you know, Andy Roxburgh had that same sort of mantra about, well, it's not about finding a big name. It's about finding the player that's appropriate in the context. And that was Andy's favorite thing. Or, you know, well, that's easy to say when you already have Thierry Henry and Tim. Right. Well, and I think it's it's easy. I mean, it's one of those sort of management cliches. You don't. You don't necessarily want to say, oh, we're going to go find a giant star because we need to pop some tickets at the gate every day. Um, mm-hmm. No, you want your you're paying lip service to the idea of you're building the team and it's not about any one individual star. But if you happen to have that star falling, I mean, they said they were trying for Josie, but the numbers didn't work out and, you know, fine, so be it. Um, I know a lot of people are disappointed in that. But, yep. you know, if the right name becomes available and a deal works out that makes sense, uh, who's to say? Well, I think it goes without saying, though, that question as qualities a player as he is, as experienced a player as he is, I don't think people are coming to the Red Bulls to see Sasha Kleschen. Oh, no, definitely not. And that's no uh, insult to Kleschen, who at some point we hope to have on seeing red. I just think that... You know, New York will will be playing for the first time really since the arena opened without kind of a high wattage star, and so it'll be very very interested to see, interesting to see. Obviously, I think this whole year with this whole big mess with Petke and Curtis, uh, it'll be interesting to see who shows up and how many people show up. And there are plenty of people who uh, are completely in the right to say I'm never coming back again. And there are a lot of people who are really excited about the new players that are brought in and the new attitude about bringing young talent in. We didn't obviously touch on Sean Davis today, but I mean, obviously he's going to be an exciting player, more midfield depth as well. So it's uh, it's really going to be something to watch for sure. It is. This year was always going to be something, given you know everything else that's going on in the market. So um, at least we're keeping it interesting. And at least we're keeping our team president, I guess, this week. So, so I guess there's that. 
When we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to Matt Doyle, the MLS analyst. It's Seeing Red at Backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. We're back at Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup at Backheel.com. Tonight, Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson, and we are very, very pleased to welcome the man who makes MLSsoccer.com go West Coast style. That is Matt Doyle. The last five seasons has served as your MLS analyst. We are we are cross continental. Matt Doyle, how are you tonight? Good guys. How about you? Uh, never better. It's been an interesting couple of weeks, as I know you know that we know that you know. What is the view from from outside the organization on everything that's gone down uh, since we got the word about Mike Pecky? Uh, well, I mean. The, the Pecky thing, I think, kind of stands alone um, in, in terms of uh, you almost have to judge the moves that, that Jesse Marsh and, and Ali Curtis have made afterwards um, completely independently of that. Because I think the Pecky, I still think the Pecky thing is, is unforgivable. I, I don't think it made any sense. Uh, and and I, I think that uh, in a better world, he would still be manager of the Red Bulls. Um, that said, Jesse Marsh is exactly the type of, of manager, uh, that I think Red Bulls fans would have welcomed with open arms back in, in the 2013 season when they were looking for a replacement for, for Hans Baca. Uh, and I think, <laughs> you know, I, I think if you look at the type of team that he's going to build and the style that they're going to they're going to try to play, uh, it'd probably be all very similar to what Mike Pecky was talking about in terms of building with youth, in terms of uh, making sure that it's kind of tough, a a tough team and making sure that it has some local flavor. Uh, So it's, you you gave up Mike Pecky for no good reason, but you ended up getting uh, Mike Pecky's vision. So as far as things go, I've, feel like it's been worse for for metro over the years <laughs> could be a lot worse so well yeah. speaking of that matt i mean i know you've spent an inordinate amount of your life you know focused on this club so just looking at ali and you know not just taking the pet key thing but taking all the the subsequent moves over the last month where do you think he ranks in the grand scheme of metro gms and sporting directors oh it's too far too early to say that um you know, I, I, I think there's plenty of reason to believe that even though Ali Curtis is owning the Mike Pecky move, that it wasn't his call at all. I mean, Mark the Grand Prix is the guy who fired Bruce Frickin' Arena. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm sure he uh, had no hesitation in, in firing Mike Pecky. Um, but just in terms of the moves that the team has made over the past, uh, what is it, two weeks now? Two, 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 two weeks, two days, yeah. really. It's, yeah, so... Over that time, I mean, I, I love the question in, in Martin's trade. I, I, I'm a big Eric Alexander fan, especially when he's paired with, with Dax McCarty, and I thought that central midfield combo is what really lifted the team last year. But I think question's a clear upgrade. I think Felipe is, uh, I'm not going to say an ideal number 10, but uh a very, very good and very productive and very durable number 10 to play just underneath Bradley Wright Phillips. And I I look at this team and I think you can win 
trophies with that central midfield. That, that's mm-hmm. going to be one of the best central midfields in the league. And, and I think if that's what you're, you're starting from, then you have to be happy. Uh, you know, giving up Oyongo, I understand why some fans were upset with that, but you can downgrade from Oyongo at left midfield and still win a championship. Uh, you can't afford to have a subpar central midfield and start thinking about trophies. You, you just can't do it. Well, one of the areas that certainly New York Red Bull fans understand that trophies aren't probably in the offing this year is with the back line. And yeah, the, Martin's, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, Marsh and Curtis have done yeoman's work in bringing in some bodies to fill roles. I don't think, and we talked about it earlier in the show, uh, Jean-Baptiste and Zuba aren't exactly going to put fear in, in the eyes of any sort of attackers. Um, they can't be done here, right? I don't know. It, they, they don't, I mean, they have, what, nine defenders on the roster right now? Uh, yeah. So, it, I mean, how many more pieces are you going to add in, in preseason? Unless you can find somebody who's a, you know, a starter in the French First Division or something. I, I think it, there, there might be more to be said uh, for letting these guys just sort of gel over the next five or six weeks rather than trying to make a slight, a slight upgrade in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. And that said, I mean, if you look at Zubar's history, he's played for some pretty decent teams, and he's been fairly durable. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a guy who, who's been playing in the uh, German fourth division. He's played for, you know, league-owned teams and, and Wolverhampton Wanderers and Marseille. Uh, so he's not, he's not a nobody. I don't expect him to be a best 11-caliber defender, but uh, I would be surprised if if he's a liability. Uh, and as for Jean-Baptiste, I mean, you guys know I'm a stand for UConn guys, uh, but <laughs> is this not the exact type of signing that the Galaxy yes. would make? And he, he would play 25 games and be like, oh, everybody had given up on him, and suddenly he's a, you know an MLS-caliber defender. He's 22, he's six two, 205 pounds. He's been on a good team before and played good minutes before. And oh, by the way, he spent time in the Red Bulls Academy. Like, this is, to me, this is a, a no-brainer signing. Uh, and I, I, think, I think it really could work out. We, we could definitely hope. Matt, with all the pieces that the Red Bulls have acquired and, and the way that the roster is starting to look, what sort of lineup do you think uh, we might see out of them and, and, and where are the pieces going to fit? Well, I, I know Jesse said the other day, uh, four two three one, or sorry, four four two, um, and in 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 my industry, that's what we call a lie. He's lying. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> think it's going to be a four two three one because if you have uh, if you have Kleshen, McCarty, and Felipe, you can control the game in central midfield. You could make the tempo of the game yours, uh, and I think that's where any good coach is going to want to start uh, with, with a new scheme uh, or at least a new regime. So I, I think you'll have those three guys in the center. I think you keep Sam outright and obviously B, uh, BWP up top, and that leaves left midfield, um, mm. left wing, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, for where the questions are. 
And I think it could be, I really think it could be Stoltz. Because I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, we need somebody who's like Sam to play on the left. No, you don't. Lloyd Sam stays wide. He's never dangerous going at the goal. He whips in the most crosses in the league per 90. Uh, you don't need another guy like that because then you end up having uh, BWP go in one verse two or one verse three for the duration of his time on the field. What you need is a left midfielder who could cut in, who could be goal dangerous, uh, do a little bit of the stuff that Thierry Henry did, and I think it can be Stoltz. Uh, he's not going to run past anybody, but he's technical. He's smart in the final third. Uh, he knows where the goal is, and in possession, he could also pinch inside, help in terms of holding onto the ball, and open up the flank for Miller on the overlap. So I just think it just it makes too much sense to stick with the 4-2-3-1, which, by the way, is what he played for the most part up in Montreal. Matt, is this Red Bulls team a playoff team right now? Because you're, you're being very, very complimentary. And, I mean, the team has really put together uh, a nice string of signings. And, as you said, uh, a, a strong midfield is going to take you pretty far. And you've got the golden boot winner up top. I mean, is this... Is this a playoff team for you? And and obviously it's January. We can we can talk without uh, right any sort of recriminations if it doesn't turn out that way. But do you like what you see? I do. I, I think it is a playoff team. I mean, if you have a strong central midfield, uh, a golden boot caliber center forward, and a really good goalkeeper, then you're. <laughs> I mean, in the East, that should be enough. Uh, that said, there are still holes. You don't know if Lloyd Sam is going to stay healthy for the whole season. Uh, I'm only speculating about left midfield. I don't know the actual answer. Uh, Roy Miller is going to be gone for two months. We don't know who the backup left back is. Uh, Chris Duvall, we don't know what Chris Duvall we're going to see. So there, there are plenty of questions, and things can go really wrong really fast if Dax McCarty gets hurt. Uh, that that is ugly. If, I mean, the last time Bradley Wright Phillips scored twenty plus goals in a season, he scored one the following season. <laughs> so uh, you know things can and will go wrong. This is still Metro, uh, but I think <laughs> just looking at this, looking at this midfield in particular, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. Definitely. Uh, Matt, sadly, March of the Match was uh, relegated uh, just a week or two ago. <laughs> when, when should we expect to see you get promotion back to the top flight of U.S. soccer podcasting? Uh, that is uh, currently in discussion. Um, the real issue is that we have no host out here in the in the San Francisco office now, and I'm not going to sit there and and, uh, and, and filibuster uh, like uh, like our good friend Jason Davis. I just don't have that in me. Um, <laughs> So I, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure some things out and I got to tell you after I, 2014 was a, a pretty busy year for me. I did 50 something podcasts and wrote, mm-hmm. I had 200 odd bylines and uh, not to mention just the regular editing duties. So I'm, I'm actually really enjoying having one less thing on my plate this week and for the next, uh, for the next couple. But I would, I would venture a guess that I will have a podcast up and running, uh, by uh, 
by first kick. So there's your scoop, a big scoop on seeing red. <laughs> now, is that, is that before or after the CB? Never mind, I'm not going to ask about it. No. First kick 2015? <laughs> right, that's yes, yes. there you go. You want to, uh, before we let you go, you want to throw in a little bit about CBA and what, what you think might happen? Absolutely not. Well done. <laughs> Matt Doyle can be read, if not heard, all the time at MLSsoccer.com. He is the MLS analyst. And uh, you know you're always welcome here if you're jonesing for a podcast in, the, in, in between. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Your me- emails after this at seeingred at backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup at backheel.com. Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson here. You there, I would imagine, listening. We'd hope to take the week off. We'd hope to take a couple weeks off, but there's just so much going on with this team, we had to come back. So I'll say once again, we're going to take a few weeks off. And after we uh, get a little closer to the first kick, we'll be back, and then we'll be back weekly during the season. If you haven't followed us on the social network of your choice, assuming those social networks are Facebook or Twitter, we ask you kindly to do so. You also can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher.com, and of course at Backheel.com. So we ask you to come check us out. Uh, we also ask for emails at seeingredny at gmail.com, and we're going to read five really good ones for you right now. I do want to add, we got a ton of wonderful emails. I regret that we are only able to read five, but those are the breaks. Here is Leon Rossi, who writes, Hey Voltron, as always, great podcast and excellent coverage of the town hall meeting. Just wanted to respond to Dave's question or concern about why Curtis just didn't come out and say why Petke was fired. His inability to conform to the analytics and science of Curtis's philosophy. Because if he comes right out and says that that's the reason, which it is, he's basically saying, this is the way to win. And if they don't win, his tactics would be a sham, and he would be responsible. It basically would shift the fault from the players and coach right to himself. His 300-page business statement, of which I will not be reading, is probably all about stats and tactics and all that jazz. Pecky was raw and emotional, we know that, and sometimes that will not win a championship. But has numbers and stats ever won a championship? The phrase defense wins championships, not analysts win championships, and for good reason. I'm still going to root for the Red Bulls, and I'm still going to support Marsh, or I'm going to support Marsh. I just think this is a bad decision. I cannot recall who said it, but the statement, Red Bull is a marketing company, how could they get this wrong, is spot on. It's still a passion sport, and one I'm going to watch because I cannot not support. I love this team, but win or lose, I want there to be the, I want to be there with some soul. And unless they now win, it's hard to root for a robot with no trophies. And we were not winning trophies and having the best back-to-back season under our guy, or were we not? Here's hoping I'm wrong, and good luck to both Marsh and to Mike Petke, Leon Rossi. A great note, obviously. Still a lot of very, very um, raw emotions around the decision. You heard Matt Doyle say that he it's unfathomable that this happened, and yet um, we must move on. We, we must, and I think you know, the thing that will still make this linger is unfortunately that you know, despite his claims endlessly that he was you know, taking responsibility for the decision, Adley Curtis has not been able to explain the decision. And, you know, let's say if he had just come out and said, look, uh, I want to 
do a new system. I want to bring in my guy. No disrespect to Mike, but he's not my guy. Like, at least it's an answer. At least it doesn't yeah. sound like a robot with a 300-page plan. And yes. people could disagree with it, but at least, you know, it'd be a place to start moving forward from. But we still, you know, nearly two weeks after the town hall, are, are living in the world of why did you fire a pet key? And we're going to answer the question. Answer the question. So we're going to be there all season because, you know, I'm sure he feels like he's said enough by this point. Don't say his name. That was my favorite <laughs> thing. Don't you say his name. No corporate expletive. But you asked me to. I don't know. Here's Reed Fisher, who writes, Gents, it seems like all the, the fans freaked out at the thought of Miyazaki going to Red Bull Leipzig, bitching about corporate synergy. My question is, do you think those same people would be complaining if the Red Bulls were to sign or take a player on load like Terrence Boyd for an extended period of time? I realize due to the allocation order and other MLS factors, it's most likely not even possible, especially given the question acquisition. But I thought of Boyd and BWP up top together, and that's pretty exciting nonetheless. I think people need to stop looking at the negative side of everything all the time and take a page out of the Red Bulls' optimist notebook. That's Reed Fisher. Of course, there was that uh, Instagram picture of Terrence Boyd, place for Leipzig, with Curtis and Marsh out in Qatar, where the German and Austrian clubs were training. Mm -hmm. uh, Boyd is injured right now. He's, he's got a long road back. He, I believe he had a tour in ACL and MCL. So he is uh, targeting fall for a return. But uh, you know, there's a point, right? We, we, <laughs> we, we all love to get new players in. I don't think anyone wants to lose anybody, though. Well, of course. And it doesn't matter what, what club situation you're in or whether you've got a parent club, sister club, cousin club, whatever club. Um, you never, you know, you never want to see players go, especially ones that you've invested time and energy and emotional currency into, um, yep. you know, look at everybody sweating Alexander when these were, you know, plenty of people who had probably been giving him stick earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, Graham Parker had a, a great article this afternoon, which I believe you were quoted in extensively, Mark, oh, um, oh. you know, saying that. Ali Curtis, uh, again, I'm, I'm not trying to draw everything back to Curtis tonight, but, you know, he cemented Petke's legacy as the guy who won the Shield and had them a goal with an MLS Cup, not the coach who the fans, you know, were screaming about and calling for the head of after he the lost the Cosmos and had a terrible August. So, um, you know, it's all about perception. It's all about what you've done for the fan base lately. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's reasonable concern of Miazga suddenly flying off to Qatar the second the, the U-20s are done. But the team said it was a training stint, and it turned out to be a training stint. Go figure. The crazy thing is, it's not like Miazga has been roundly praised by the fan no, base. No, not at all. I mean, he's a kid. Yeah. He is a kid. And while I thought he played pretty well uh, for the U-20 qualification, he's still got a long way to go. So, And I don't blame the kid for wanting to go and stretch. I mean, this is what it's all about. If we weren't just so darn thin at back line. Here's Thomas Brody, who writes, Hi, guys. The moves so far have been obviously reduced have obviously reduced the payroll significantly if Cahill leaves as expected do you see the Red Bulls moving for a legitimate attacking player such as wait for it Javier Fernandez also known as Chicharito uh, thoughts on Chicharito in a Red Bull shirt I mean if we had Marquez uh, who can be next Ochoa <laughs> Pavel Pardo 
Well, Can we get Blanco? There, there's the got to be some team for the Mexican national team to go to now. The, the Chivas. No. Um, yes. I honestly, every time there's a DP slot open, or the thought that a DP slot is open, you know, it it turns into let's throw all the names around. And I'm not convinced Chicharito is looking towards MLS as no. the solution to whatever you know the limited minutes or whatever else he's getting out of his career. There's plenty of places he can go in Europe that will, you know, keep him in the spotlight and give him a chance to shine. Um, I, if Cahill, you know, is leaving, yes, it does free up some level of whatever the DP salary budget is. And the question is whether that's worth using on a player who's available and would want to come. But I, you know, I'd rather see it. I mean, not that I would mind seeing, Chicharito playing in MLS, but um, I, I just don't think that's the step he's personally ready to take. Not right now. I mean, he's 26, five years at Man U, and now he's on loan at Real Madrid, and he's got three goals for them in eight appearances. So, you know, I, I think Chicharito still has more things to do over there. I mean, would a 31-year-old Chicharito want to come back? Yeah, perhaps. Probably. Yeah, that might be that. That would be interesting. And I don't think has Chicharito ever scored against the U.S. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd, I'd have to re- I'd refer back to ESPN, but I don't think he has. I'm throwing that out there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Here's Chris Moulin, who writes, Dear M plus Double D. I'm assuming that's your trio's secret rap group name. Well, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Since you have MLS analysts on tonight, and thanks for all you do, doing this impromptu, I'll keep my question to a tactical nature. Given the current lineup, where do you see the biggest needs for the Red Bulls to add someone before the season starts? In my opinion, it's a position not many people are talking about. Right back. I know, I know, how could it not be left wing? But here's why I think right back is more pressing. Duval showed well as a rookie, but hit a wall later in the season. Expected during his first year out of school. And struggled a bit against better teams. He has a bright future, but still needs to mature. Our attack is most dangerous when Sam can get forward. Without Henri on the left, this needs to be happening exponentially more often. I can't see Sam on the left because Roy is much better getting forward than Duval and will likely be a big part of the left side's attack, which would force Sam back on the left. If Duval needs help, then either Sam is sitting back and our attack will be almost non-existent, or Dax Dax slash Sasha will have to slide over and leave the center backs very exposed. If Duval gets injured, the only backup is Connor Laid. Once again, while I love him, he would need help against the higher quality teams, of which there are plenty. Right back is where we seem to have no depth and where, if we aren't solid, I can quickly see our game plan falling apart for both attack and defense. Thoughts? Chris Moulin. Now, obviously, Connor Laid, who is actually the source of a few other emails, is back once again and under contract and listed as a defender. Wait, he's the source of the emails? Was he just like... No, sorry, sorry. The subject. The subject of emails. I missed you. Yes, Connor had a great time at the holiday party, and he's writing on a regular basis. No, I'm sorry. He was the subject of a couple of emails just about where he fits. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to think that Duval's... Stamina is going to improve. Uh, they're certainly going to improve big time under uh, Jesse Marsh, but he may not be able to go the whole way. Do, you know, is there is there shelter here? Is there backup? Well, you do have to have backup at every position because it's not even. I mean, Duval. I think a lot of people lost this in the the haze of that four one thrashing or four nothing thrashing. Yeah, um, yeah. But 
the the comment from Petke at the time was that he had spoken to Chris and they both agreed that he had hit this wall and he needed a break. It wasn't just that, you know, Petke benched him and that was that and he was done for no. the season. Um, and so, you know, I think you certainly need the backup there, but you also need it at left back um, because we all know that Roy Miller will have his moment of Zen at some point during the season, never mind that he's going to be gone for the gold cup for a while. Um, and, you know, you need coverage at both of those and you want to have some competition for the position as well. I, I think the other key, and we touched on this earlier, is the team definitely needs more depth at striker because Bradley's great and, you know, Bradley can play a lot of minutes and we'll probably, you know, given the service in midfield, will be scoring a fair number of goals this year. But, you know, he might end up getting suspended for yellow card accumulation or getting injured or something else. And so, you know, you need another reasonable quality striker. And, and you know, I, I have a soft spot for Peggy after the playoff performance he had, but he's getting up there in the years. You know, you you probably want somebody with some, some speed in their legs who can who could start and, and go a full 90 if Bradley's not available. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there are definitely a number of positions that need to be filled. And I think right back definitely is one of them. We've all talked, spoken about left mid. Matt Doyle, the MLS analyst, sees him possibly filling that role on the left. And, you know, if you're going to play a 4-2-3-1, you've got to have at least two more ones up top to make sure that uh, Bradley has cover when he needs mm-hmm. it. So. We shall see. Our last email of the night goes to friend of the show, that's Phil Armando out of Brooklyn, who says, For the fat, it's late. For the past five seasons, seeing Red has been one of the very few enjoyable constants and essentials of Red Bull New York fandom. Considering the magnitude of change at the club over the last several weeks, this season will be your most important yet. Looking forward to your insights and analysis as we head into 2015. Does anyone know what the official Curtis bars of on-field success are for the upcoming campaign? I keep reading this phrase, bars of success, in the various stories about the 300-page plan, but don't believe I've actually seen the benchmarks for the season published anywhere. would be really great to know what they are. And if you don't have them handy just yet, please make sure to let us know when they're finally made available. Finally, I'm willing to give the changes that have been made at the club a chance, but I have a very deep bitterness about how this new management went about implementing them. Not really sure what it'll take to get past it, but I'm hoping the playing of actual matches will start to take some of the edge off. The proof will be in the pudding. How are you all feeling about the state of things at this point? Keep up the great work, Phil. Bars of success. Bars of success. It's a very wonderful corporate uh, thing to have. We must have KPIs, key performance indicators, so we can measure the efficacy of our efforts. but what what could be bars of success? I think uh, making the playoffs certainly is a bars of success, uh, a bar of success. But then again, this team has made the playoffs eleven out of the last twelve years. Yeah, that's that's not a terribly high bar. Well, are these bars you jump over or bars you drink at? Because no, I think these are bars you. These are like bars on your cell phone. These are bars you attain. I think. Oh, so if we that, stand that, in the that, right spot in Red Bull Arena, everything will be fine. Uh, <laughs> yes, if we have the Wi-Fi password, I think. But then we're not worried about the So, uh, you know, it's a good question. And one of the things that was uh, a little frustrating when uh, Ali was taking over and the, the Petkey firing happened is he did keep talking about the 300-page plan and, and all of this. And one of the things that he kept coming back to is that part of the plan was to set 
what you know set the metrics for what success was as part of the plan, not that it was already set. Ah. And I, as somebody who unfortunately has to live in the corporate world when I'm not focusing on soccer, um, you know, if you're coming in with a plan, the plan should have the metrics then, not the plan is that we're going to come up with the metrics and then, you know, execute on the plan and see how we did. Because um, presumably you've already planned it. Anyhow, this is, this is getting way too nerdy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would imagine he may be talking about the bars of success as the, the major subject area. So it's, are we doing enough for the youth? Are we doing enough to connect to the community? Are we doing enough, you know, in terms of being a super close, you know, whatever the, the major, the major themes of the plan are. One thing I'm pretty sure that Ronald Zubar is not one of the bars of success, (laughs) but he has, or perhaps he is, I don't know. Signed a player with bar in his name. Check. More Barcelona players. See, I think that would definitely be some bars of success. (laughs) Uh, Last point. How are you feeling about state of things at this point? Uh, Listen, I I agree with you, Phil, when you say that perhaps the actual playing of matches will start to take some of the edge off. This team will look mostly different. There'll be some very, very uh, welcome, friendly faces, but this is a team that may uh, have lost five starters or six starters from last year's squad, from last year's starting squad. And it's very, very difficult, especially given what happened with Petke, to just flip a light switch and say, okay, I'm done. I'm done with it. But the season will start, and we will have a team. We'll actually have two teams uh, to pay attention to on a regular basis. And as Dan had po- noted in the in the Graham Parker article, um, there have been some very positive <laughs> bars, some very <laughs> positive points when you think about what's happened, con- simply reaching out and trying to connect the youth uh, and trying to connect local players to the first team program. Sean Davis, uh, AJP, Conrad's still here, heck, Grell is in camp, um, you know, local guys that, that should create a connection to the community just simply by them playing here. The question is, how quickly is a, is a furious fan base going to turn around, if at all? Yeah. And I think it's going to take a long time. I, too, am very much looking forward to games. I'm looking very forward to hearing what happens during these closed-door matches that are going to be happening um, in a couple of days, and then as well, you know, when they go back to Florida and play at the IMG Academy, um, what they, those games are going to be like. And then, you know, the season is, what, six weeks away now? So... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I can't even go there. So I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, once we see guys in the, in the shirt running around and uh, the new shirt kit leak uh, with the red um, sleeves came out, I think that looks kind of snappy. So, yeah, again, it, it still hurts and it still burns. And for those that have departed, uh, you know, we feel you. And for those that are staying, I think there's reason for optimism and, and excitement. You know, Mark, uh being in the the press box over the last couple of years has certainly, you know, given me a, a certain cushion of emotional deadness when I'm uh, watching the team. But, um, you know, there was a comment that somebody made to me a couple of years ago uh, while we were uh, passing the time at practice or between the games or something. And uh, it was that 
the goodwill that this team gains from one win or, or from three wins. So if the team wins three in a row and then loses, it's about an emotionally neutral. So right. one, you know, it's like negative three for a loss and, and plus one for a win. Um, I think this year, given everything that's happened, even though they're making the right moves and even though, you know, the team is now stocked in midfield, um, I think it's going to be more like a one to five ratio this year. I think losses, five wins is going to five equal wins a equals a loss. I think a, a, a loss, particularly an ugly loss at home, um, you know, is just going to send this fan base over the edge over and over again. The Red Bull outs are going to be there waiting to pounce. And it, it's going to be a rough year unless this team goes on a tear and, you know, wins another supporter shield or makes a run of MLS Cup. Um, and there's no way around that at this point just because of how the, the year has started. Yeah. It's a long, long, long way to go. It's only January. <laughs> uh, still. We'd like to thank Mac Doyle, the MLS analyst, for stopping by, and we'd like to thank you for listening. As I attempted to, to, to put into play last week, we will be taking a few weeks off, and we'll be back uh, as the preseason rolls on. For Dan Dickinson, I'm Mark Fishkin saying thank you so much for seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. We'll see you in a few weeks. Good night, everybody. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and seeingredny.com.